You're listening to Thematics, presented by UnleashedStrengths.com, the only show that embraces your addiction to strengths. Oh yeah, that's sweet, sweet music. How's everybody doing? Thanks for listening to another episode of Thematics. My name is Andy Sokolovich. I am a Gallup certified strengths coach and the owner of a coaching practice nestled right here in the small Midwest town of Clinton, Iowa. That's right, Unleash Strengths. I'm a coach for hire working with organizations to enhance employee engagement boost recognition, and increase overall job satisfaction. If you are interested in enlisting the skills of a strength coach or you're looking for a speaker for your next workshop, conference, or seminar, consider giving me a call at 815-441-2219 or hit me up via email, andy at unleashstrengths.com. Thematics is a podcast series designed to highlight the massive impact the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment has had on now over 12 million people. It's our belief that the best way to promote its effectiveness and proven results is to interview those who've experienced the power of strengths-based development firsthand. Our guest today is intimately aware of her strengths and wants nothing more than to share her strengths journey in an effort to help you succeed. For more information or to schedule an interview for yourself, that's right. If you consider yourself a thematic, please join us on this show. Again, shoot me an email, andy at unleashstrengths.com. Hit us up on social media, facebook.com forward slash unleashstrengths, Twitter at unleashcsf, and you can subscribe to our RSS feed and iTunes uh, via the links on our website, unleashstrengths.com. I do ask that if you listen to us via iTunes, all you iOS folks out there, please, please leave us a review, hopefully a five-star positive one. My co-host is Grace Lacanti. She is the owner of Lacanti Consulting. You can find more information about Grace at LacantiConsulting.com. That's L-A-C-O-N-T-E Consulting.com. Grace provides strengths-based training to management teams and groups. Grace, what's happening? Hey, I'm doing great today. Been uh, getting ready for a really exciting week coming up next week and uh, lots of great things happening. Awesome. Encouraging lots of people, yeah. What's what's so great about next week? What's going on? I'm rolling out some new things with my business. Um, really focusing on healthcare managers and um, got some speaking engagements lined up. So I'm just really excited to help people to move forward with their goals. Grace, you're a rock star. <laughs> so are you, Andy. Yeah, we're <laughs> all. It's not about us. We're right? all rock stars. All three of us. <laughs> that's right, three of us. So you heard from myself. I say way too much, and then Grace obviously <laughs> is on the line. But what today is all about is our interviewee, and that is Miss Laura Cumming. Laura, how are you doing? Introduce us a little bit to yourself. Who are you? What do you do? All the standard questions, and then go ahead and introduce us to your top five. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be here. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I have recently become a certified strengths coach at the end of last year and set up my own business, um, a coaching business. However, I originally uh, qualified as a chartered management accountant over 10 years ago. And my career up till about a year ago was in the finance industry. Um, I worked for various organizations, Fortune 500 companies. Um, I was lucky enough to rise up um, through various different roles um, and travel an awful lot with the, the jobs that I had. So I was very fortunate to travel all over Europe, to America, to Asia, the Middle East, um, and 
what I realized is I really loved exploring different cultures, the diversity, getting to know all these different kinds of people from, from all over the world. I currently live in the northeast of England in a small town called Durham, which is where I grew up. Um, I share a house with my partner and we've got a little cat. I am very keen uh, yoga and horse rider. Ooh. Um, Ooh, namaste. I- namaste. <laughs> At the same time, Laura, do you do yoga on horseback? Ooh, that would be um, that's no. a talent, and it's, that's the theme. That'll be the thirty fifth theme that Gallup creates. I can't imagine doing that, but that would be I cool. haven't tried that yet. I could suggest it. I'm not sure. Downward dog on the horse. So, what type of horseback riding do you do? Because my wife is a huge fan of dressage. She used to compete mm-hmm. when she was uh, a teenager, and now we actually raise and breed Hanoverian Warmbloods. Oh wow, that'd be amazing! Uh, it sounds um, impressive, but all we do, all I do, is clean stalls. So <laughs> <laughs> you do the glamorous bits. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've done an awful lot of different types of horse riding. I did a lot of dressage um, and show jumping uh, a few years ago, um, but since then I do an awful lot more cross country and just hacking out. Really, just enjoying being with the horses and being outside in nature. Um, I guess my favorite types of rides are to go riding on the beach and going in the sea with the horses man that sounds like a shampoo commercial my life is so boring i don't do anything cool so laura 18 months ago you took the clifton strengths finder assessment tell us a little bit about number one how you found out about the clifton strengths finder assessment and how that kind of impacted your life okay yes so i did take the test um 18 months ago It was introduced to me via um, a coach um, that I was uh, working with at the time. So I personally was being coached around my career um, because I wasn't happy in what I was doing. I felt like there was a lot of frustration and and I was looking for a way to figure out what should I do? Should I stick with the career or or look for something different? And I was introduced to StrengthsFinder as one of the tools really to just explore more about myself and to learn more about myself. What I discovered were my top five turned out to be learner, intellection, responsibility, ideation, and relater. And my first reaction to those were that it really did explain me very well to a level of detail that I really, really wouldn't have been able to describe myself. However, whilst I really agreed with what was written, it did take me an awful long time to actually sit back and go, they really are strengths. I really can do something with those and actually start to be really proud of those. And I guess from hindsight, what I realized is through through my career, I guess, and, and at certain points in my life, I'd started to move away from what those strengths were. I recognized them much more as who I was when I was younger, but had become less familiar with them. And so I'd been really operating outside of those strengths for quite a long time and lost touch with what they were and what they meant to me. Laura, I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday mm-hmm. who's a, a teacher and she has uh, developed training materials for new teachers and struggling teachers called Awesome Teacher Nation. Um, oh, wow. Anyway, she 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 told me that um, as a child, she had certain strengths and, and they kind of got hidden in the struggle of being a new teacher and, you know, the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that she took the Strengths Finder assessment and really saw, oh my gosh, of course, there's my woo, there's my communication, I have to get those out. And now she has, um, I mean, she's been able to develop her business to teachers to help people just like herself overcome 
you know, the struggles that if she'd just really known more about herself, she might have been able to open up during those first few years of struggle. I just think that's fantastic that you had the same experience if you yeah. were trying to become someone different, but now you have the freedom to be exactly who you are with those strengths yeah. kind of telling you, oh, this is who I am to begin with, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I did spend a lot of time thinking there is an ideal way to be or to do the job that I was doing. And you sort of orientate yourself in that direction and and knowing what my strengths were and starting to trust in those and believe in those really helped me to sort of step back from that and harness those and mm. and, and use those more in, in the work I do and, and the life that I lead now. Um, so mm. they've had quite a big impact on me. Can I ask you a question, Laura? And I'm sure Andy has about 20 questions. <laughs> 19. I'm up to 19. Oh, good. We knocked one off the list. Um, I've just never heard anyone refer to the their childhood self in the terms of strengths discussion. Like I said, I was just talking about that yesterday. But if you could go back in time, and now that you know that your top five strengths that came up in the assessment are learner, intellection, which are strategic thinking, responsibility, which is executing, and then ideation is strategic, and relator is re- responsible. Um, relationship building if you could tell yourself as a as a child or young adult something that would have encouraged you what would you have said I know it's a big question but Mm. is there something that you would have said to to reassure your younger self that it would be okay to be a certain way but you ended up kind of you said it was hidden for a while right um, that's a really, really good question. It's actually really fun. It wasn't on the list, so I am really Andy doesn't think that deep. I buried my childhood. <laughs> no. well, I have a lot of strategic thinking strengths and I think in my head a lot. What I would say is that um the themes that I have are a lot of um strategic thinking themes with elements of executing in there. Um, and probably whilst being at school and in education, which I stayed in, even when I started working full time, I continued professional qualifications. Whilst I was in that almost educational learning thought kind of place and I had to do exams almost um, that forced you to put it into use and to sort of get that recognition, I guess, back from it, that felt much more like the place that I enjoyed being Mm. and once that stopped it's almost like I had some my arms and legs cut off it's like I couldn't learn enough I couldn't get exposed to enough complex information um enough new people um and I was always sort of really seeking out those opportunities and and very quickly could become bored by those um because they were so hard to find and then it's so then hard to find lots of them to satisfy what I needed Mm -hmm. um so I guess I would go back and say that it's absolutely fine to want to keep learning and to want to keep developing and that it, it is an evolving journey and I don't have to stop I don't have to reach a point where I have to stop and have made it which I guess is what I did once I started working I, I got my professional qualifications once I had those, it was really all about the job. I guess I guess I get, give myself permission to really use those and to keep learning and to keep evolving. Permission. We hear that word in every interview, and I think that's something to be said for that. Um, that strengths is a feeling of permission that, hey, 
I am this way because this is kind of who I am. Now I need to apply these talents in a way to make myself a kind of a better version. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, Laura. Appreciate you kind of going off the beaten track there. <laughs> Back onto the track. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna throw zingers at you. You don't know where we're coming from. Here's a bunch of questions that may or may not. I actually, it. fine, right? <laughs> but I actually say in my, I say in the uh, unleashedrengths.com forward slash interview, one of the things I say is these, some of these questions may be omitted based on your responses and or time. Um, I should say some more questions may be injected. Be yeah. So. <laughs> Grace comes up with some really strange questions. <laughs> so, right, Laura, let's, let's let's talk a little bit about your ideation. And I know, you know, when you and I had kind of communicated via email and you sent in your answers and responses to some of the questions that I was going to pose, you had said your first aha moment was probably around ideation. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, beyond, I suppose, beyond the aha moment of these things are actually strengths and to appreciate them, my next sort of aha moment really was around my ideation um, so I never really had any words to describe what it was before, but I've always known that I'm very, very quick to have a lot of ideas, to come up with a lot of solutions to problems quite instantaneously. And I could come up with multiple um, ideas all at in one go. The challenge I had with that was that I really struggled to explain to people how I went from the problem to the result. I couldn't explain my thought process. I couldn't explain why that was the best solution and that's what we should do and that's how we should move forward. Um, and so that created a challenge with people. So a lot, of, a lot of the time before I understood this, people would reject my ideas because they didn't understand. They didn't understand. I couldn't lead them through that process. Or I would go off and do things on my own a lot because I, I would then be able to prove that it was successful in hindsight. The other challenge I had with my ideation was I had so many ideas and I also had this sense of I have to execute all my ideas. I hadn't really reached a point where I'd realized that I, I just naturally have all these ideas and I can separate what is just an idea and which ones of those do I want to pick to execute because I only have so much time and so much resource to put to those. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so that was that was really, really challenging. And I constantly felt really defeated because I set myself this big list of ideas to to accomplish and my responsibility wanted to make them all happen. Um, and so it was quite self-defeating for a long time. Um so I've really had to work on separating what are just ideas, which get me really excited and can solve a problem, and then picking out which ones of those I actually want to focus on, and then using my ideation to develop those mm. and to start to justify that process to other people, to get more people on board. Hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent response because I feel that way constantly <laughs> and i think we all andy we all three have ideation in our top five. yeah you know that yeah and i was gonna say grace Yay. could probably say the same thing is we add yeah you know i'm not a big checklist guy but i do have when i have ideas i write them down but then mm -hmm. i go back and i look at all those ideas that never came to fruition or I never took action on and i sit back and then i feel kind of deflated or defeated and yeah. it's that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow but i think what helps me there's a people that I surround myself with that are always very willing to go ahead and highlight my accomplishments. And Grace is one of them. Grace, you always say to me, look at all the things that you've done. 
And every time you say that, I kind of smile because, man, that's like the antidote to how I was feeling that day is I needed oh, that. Wow. And it's well, that's a, my focus strength. Focus is setting and achieving goals. I see that you've achieved goals, so I want to help you celebrate it rather than, oh, I haven't done all the stuff. What? I mean, not let you cry like that. <laughs> I Just do. kidding. I do cry no, that way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I feel the same way. Ideation can be a wonderful um, interjection into, here I use huge words, it can help groups <laughs> to move past what are we doing next? Who else can think of something? You know, mm. you got an ideation person in there and wow, we just can't stop coming up with ideas. And I love what you said, Laura. We not only have ideas, we can help to solve problems with the ideas. So mm-hmm. I think it's a good match for a restorative um, with, you know, solving problems as a process and its work. The ideation can help to bring the the way that that can happen. My husband has restorative. So sometimes we work together to solve problems, sometimes, <laughs> because... <laughs> My ideas were things that he would not have come up with. It's like a creativity um, process. Does, is that how you would describe it too, Laura? Is it creativity that comes into play through that? Yeah, I think um, it's something that I've uh, come to know as creativity. Mm-hmm. For a long time, I probably wouldn't have described myself as a creative person because I assumed creativity was all around art and and physical creativity but certainly over the last few years I've appreciated that creativity is around problem solving um, and thinking about things more abstractly and pulling together random bits of information to create a new solution or idea or or product for people and so yeah I definitely see it as creativity now. Mm -hmm. So Laura your, your strengths came in they helped you kind of define who you are you mm-hmm. you started aiming them, and one of the ways that you've done that is you're actually helping others now understand their own top five. So, tell us a little bit about your business and what you're doing to help individuals and other businesses grow using the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. Absolutely, I've um I've really taken my strengths and I've taken the skills from my um, previous career and my experiences that I had. And I've pulled that all together. And now what I am really focusing on is helping to support technical experts to rapidly acquire management skills to thrive in their new roles. Um, And I use strengths really heavily within that process. What I found through my experience and people that I know is that there's there's a lot of challenges when you're a technical expert um, moving up into management to make that transition. So there's a lot of frustration around... um, the fact that you spent so much time investing in a particular job and you may have done a lot of qualifications to get there and you no longer really do that once you become a manager. There's also that sense of sort of an identity shift um, where you've been really competent in a previous role and now you've got so many new skills to learn mm-hmm. that you can almost feel like it's a bit of a demotion at that point in time. And it's also can be quite overwhelming because technical professionals typically don't have that people management experience or not enough of it before they become a manager so they've got all these new need needs of different people and demands and expectations from higher up the organization that can start to become really overwhelming so what i have developed is a program to really support those people and it's a five-step program and the first step of it is to really uncover individuals latent leadership talents so this is really strengths-based leadership orientated so it helps people get the clarity on who they are so that they really know that they, their strengths, they can appreciate that the strengths are different to 
the skills that they have and the experiences that they've brought with them and how you can harness these strengths in new situations and can move forward much more confidently in that way. We then move on to really getting comfortable in that new role that they have. So I help them to create a vision for their future so that they're really intentional about the type of leader they want to be. And I really bring in their what their natural strengths are and make sure that that's part of their vision and they're becoming more and more true to themselves and they don't get lost by thinking about what they should be. It's really focusing on, on then their individuality. And then there are a few other stages. Um, So we also look at their relationship with their boss, their relationship with their team, their relationship with their wider stakeholders. And there's a few steps to do that. But that, that again, is all strengths orientated. It's looking at the partnerships you can build, the strategic alliances. It looks at it in an individual way for their situation because a lot of people... Um, are very well, they're very well read, they're very aware of different personality types, different communication styles, but it's really important to actually sit down and think about what those actual people you work with are like and put it into a real context rather than a theoretical context or a generic situation. Um, And so from there, once we've worked through all of that, we also look at how they see themselves and their team within the wider organisation. So a lot of organizations can end up in a situation where they've got silos. So different departments working really well, but very, very independently. And you can use strengths to start to bridge those gaps as well and to look at how they work with different teams within an organization and start to pull all of that together so that it's not just achieving the individual's goals, the team goals, but also working towards the business goals. And once we've sort of looked at all of that, we then take a look at what are their top priorities and we come up with a plan of action, basically, um, that's aligned to their strengths um, and plot out what that's going to be for the next 12 months. So that's what I've been that's what I've been working on with people recently. Yeah, this is fantastic. Laura. I can see that you have a very obvious uh, background in thinking through things logically. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you were an accountant before, right? Yes, you that's know, right. <laughs> I could definitely see how you're very organized in the thought process. I like the five steps. Um, that That's a very great way to move someone through that. And I've had experience um, coaching, working with, and um, employing uh, managers who have uh, probably not the best skills to manage others, <laughs> but because mm-hmm. they have technical knowledge, for some reason, organizations have leaders think that that makes them qualified to lead a group. And there's mm-hmm. so many cases where that is not really the qualification that they should be looking for. Just because mm-hmm. someone is very good at software engineering does not mean that they should automatically become the manager of a software engineering department. You know, I mean, it doesn't logically, but that's what happens. But if they are not people oriented and if they don't know how to lead in a, you know, a group and they can't communicate, communicate properly, it can really be a hindrance to that department because they may create a very, you know, a very uneven situation in the department where they only have certain close people with them depending on their strengths, or they don't know how to communicate or to get people to join them in projects, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or they're not disciplined enough to to help everyone else learn the process, or they can't strategize properly. I mean, there's so many mistakes that can be made when someone is put into leadership without, 
you know, considering their strengths. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Have you seen, seen that happen before? <laughs> it's yeah, just a disaster. Yeah, I've seen, I've, I have seen that, that happen, that experience. Um, so I think what happens is people do exceptionally well in their current role. And I think it's a natural assumption that because someone does well in one role, that they can be then pushed up to the next level and will automatically succeed in that next role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that can there can be some successes and there can also be some some uh, struggles there as well where it, it backfires. Um, but I think what I'm looking to embrace is those people that are stepping up into those roles who really want to establish themselves as a manager, who are really prepared to take that step to do what it takes to develop into that role. And I think what can hinder those people is they don't get enough experience in advance of taking that position so it's really supporting them to quickly get up to speed to understand themselves really assess the situation and and take what they can and move that forward really positively yeah i can see how your your role in helping an organization could be good not only after someone is put in a position and then Mm -hmm. has to kind of adjust themselves to see okay well I'm not a natural leader in the normal sense, but I'm in this role now and this, I have to adjust my style to get the work done and to, you know, motivate people. But I could see how your work would also be super beneficial to organizations who want to promote people Mm -hmm. so that they can assess before they make that big change in someone's life. I mean, it is a big change to be promoted and then to find out that you are failing as a manager. I have been there. I have seen others do this. It is so incredibly destructive to someone's ego and self-esteem to be put in a position where they're failing and not have anyone recognize why Uh it's, it feels very personal, you know? So I think the, the role that you could bring to an organization would be tremendous to, to help them look at the opportunities to promote and then use that in the whole scope of how the company can grow. That's fantastic, Laura. Uh Thank you. I like what Laura, when you send in your responses to some of the questions, you type this one sentence and I think it's, it really hits the nail on the head. You use strength finder with all your clients and what you have found is that it really enhances their focus on who they are, what they want. And then they find that the speed at which they pursue their next opportunity increases. So there's not that delay or chunk of downtime between a successful project A and successful project B, when you can really start to identify who you are and then apply that knowledge. And we always say this, being leveraging your talents and learning how to manage your weakness, it makes things move so much faster. So Laura, let's talk a little bit about, I'll put you in a situation here. We're going to sit, we're going to place you behind somebody who's taken the Clifton Strengths Finder assessment. They just print out their report. They just got done. They're looking at it and there's five terms on there and some descriptions and they get their little action planning tool. And then they turn to you as a strengths enthusiast and as a strengths coach. And they say to you, now what, now what do I do? What action steps do I take? What is the first piece of advice did you give them? There are a few things I would say to somebody that had just taken their test. I think the, the, the more obvious things are to really become familiar with them, to read through the signature reports to, um, to learn as much as you can about those themes and to not put the the report in a drawer, which often a lot of people do and sort of forget about it, but to try and keep it in your conscious. But what I found actually really quite useful is asking them to give that report to someone that knows them really, really well and to get their feedback because you can actually learn so much more about 
how other people interpret what you do and they can see things in you that you don't see in yourselves. And I think sharing your report with other people adds a lot of value to that. No, I totally agree. And I was kind of, so the other day I was teaching, it wasn't really a workshop. It was kind of like strengths, just an overview um, to a group of people that gave me 45 minutes just to kind of introduce the concept of strengths-based development more so than the actual Finder, or, excuse me, Clifton Finder assessment. And somebody raised their hand and said, Andy, all personality tests are the same. All assessments are the same. And here's the thing. say that? And here's the thing. And then they said to me, you know, the mood that I'm in on a Monday is going to be different than the mood that I'm in on a Friday. So if I take the this assessment and all of a sudden now Friday I'm in a bad mood and I go ahead and I retake it, my emotions are going to affect my results. How would you two respond to that? Um, I have uh, – I'm extremely analytical, if you can tell. I like to look at the everything from the – the opposite point of view so and i play like chess games in my head it's kind of crazy <laughs> but i would to that res- to respond to that i would say that's a great question to a- ask because we shouldn't just um take someone's advice and, s- and accept the whole thing as truth necessarily we should test it and make sure that it would work and then it, it the, the results really do have an impact beyond just the moment that you take it i ha- totally agree with that point of view so my response would be that the top five results that come in are not the end-all be-all of who you are. In fact, I have retaken this assessment. You don't need to. In fact, probably some coaches would encourage you not to retake it. But I did it as a as a test to see what the process was like after several years because I wanted to kind of recheck it again analytical. <laughs> I wanted to see what my clients were seeing. I think the the bigger picture is that the top 10 results, the top 10 strengths in your assessment are really kind of it's kind of like a moving uh, river like they, they continue to bubble up and to join in so some days maybe some of my you know six through ten would actually be coming to the top my woo positivity communication significance intellection sometimes those come to the top and other days it's much easier for me to take my top five and really shoot that arrow straight to where I want to go so I would say um, there's probably some from the bottom that may come up to the top if you retook it after a few years. But for the most part, it's what motivates you, which really doesn't change too much over your lifetime, I wouldn't think. I'm sure there's some data to back this up, but personality tests may change based on your emotions. But what motivates you, what's intrinsic in the way that you see the world, I don't think that changes a whole lot when you look at the top 10. The top five are just kind of an easier way to get a small package and move forward quickly. Wouldn't you say, Laura? Absolutely. Yes. I did actually have a a client who um, was questioning like his top five. He had high deliberative and high analytical. Oh boy. Yep. He needed needed more convincing. So I think he took the test maybe two or three times before he was convinced that they were actually very, very similar every single time. I think his five and sixth theme swapped over. Um, Wow. But there was one theme in particular, he wasn't quite in, in, in agreement that it was part of who he was. Um, and the more we explored it, the more he could relate to it. But I think he needed that validation of taking the test a few times before he was convinced it, it really did relate to him. So um, but I, I, I agree. I think emotions don't particularly play a part in it. I think the way the test is, is orientated, it's about comparing two situations, two extreme situations, and you sort of pick one or the other as, as your 
way of behaving or your way of being. And I don't think your emotions would necessarily change how you would approach those situations because they're not, um, they're not necessarily personal situations, but, but there, there are situations that you would occur, would reoccur in everyday life. So you've probably lived them several times to not have one particular way of feeling about them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the other thing that really, really helps um, is, for example, my number 11 was analytical the first time I took it. And that came up to number two when I retook it. The everything else stayed the same, the same, pretty much the same order, but analytical jumped way up. And the difference was that from the first test to the second test, I had worked in management roles and directing roles. And my need to analyze became much sharper. I developed that, that skill, and I think that comes out a lot more strongly. I've also heard people who went through a tremendous life experience or um, tragedy. And, for example, one person had a child die. It was very impactful for that person. And um, when they retook the assessment, empathy became a, a top five, where it wasn't even close before. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes life experiences can change us. Events that make a big impact can change. But the real thing is, if if you really are interested in hearing more for all of our listeners, um, unlocking the rest of your results so that you can see where they line up can be really helpful for you to continue that conversation. And then it can give more, um, I think it can help to understand how you think a little bit more better, a little bit more instead of just relying on the top five, because that's only a portion of of the results. The results are actually all 34 strengths in a certain order. Do yeah. you have anything to add, Andy? Well, no, I agree. You know, <laughs> the top five, it kind of, I often get frustrated when I see somebody who goes out and buys a piece of technology and doesn't use it to its maximum ability. You know, <laughs> like they go out and they buy a MacBook just so they can have like paint or some kind of weird program. <laughs> there's, that, there's your maximizer. Right. You so, so I think that's kind of like strength finder. I mean, you can go out, you can, you can shave off the surface, you can get your top five. But at the end of the day, it's to me, it's always been about strengths-based development. I mean, we're, we're going and we're starting to harness and identify what we naturally do well. And that's going to become the kindling that's going to foster this flame of awesomeness in you if you really start to focus on that. Now, when the question became, does your mood affect your results? The Gallup stance on that has been through their research, they discovered that the person's mood has very little effect on their results. Now, they, they say that this does not say that the mood has no effect whatsoever in the responses that they have to that statement, but it just basically means that the Clifton Strengths Finder was designed well enough and effectively enough to cut through your mood to reveal your most dominant themes of talent. Um, and there's some statics or some statics, there's some statistics behind that. The best thing we can do, I think, as strengths enthusiasts and Laura as a coach and, and Grace and I is to really tell our story and how it impacted our lives. So reeling this bad boy back in, I'm always doing this. I'm always got to get the fishing pole out and reel it back in. So Laura, what is your favorite theme in your top five and why? My favorite theme, I think, would have to be my responsibility. Um, I think having such a lot of strategic thinking themes, I think this is the one thing that saves me, really. I think it's the one thing that stops me spending my entire day just thinking in my head and gets me committed to doing things and really actioning those and executing those. Um, and I think it's what's driven me also on this path. It's, it's, it's made me take responsibility for myself and my life and to really make some significant changes to sort of follow the path that I need to take. Um, 
and to go on the journey that I'm doing and with the work I'm doing. Mm. So I think it's been really important in what I've done. That was a very responsible response. Yeah. Responsible response. Know, that you know, it, it does drive me a little bit crazy sometimes because I can be a bit too sen- too serious and a bit too sensible. Um, oh, we're like polar opposites then. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Can you tell that we're not totally <laughs> serious here? Yeah. <laughs> That's great though. I, I like it can the, lead the response. me to overcommit sometimes, but I think it has been really um, a really important factor in me in me achieving what I've achieved. Yeah. Well, and also you can leverage that with your clients, right? You can help yeah. them to recognize how they sh- need to be responsible for certain parts of their lives, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That sense of accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Laura, Grace and I are proud of you regardless because you've been able to do some amazing things by leveraging your top five. It's always exciting whenever we have a guest on. I mean, we haven't had a guest on, obviously, that says... Yeah, I got my top five, but didn't do anything with it. Thanks for having me on the show. So every well, that was the end of that one. <laughs> that was the that end of that episode. Very <laughs> so obviously, everybody that we interview is is passionate about developing their natural talents and their strengths, and and you are not the exception. So thank you so much for being on our broadcast today. Thank you. And Laura, before we let you go and we close this out, how can we reach you? Uh, you can reach me um, by email at laura at tealassociates.co.uk or I'm quite active on LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me into Laura Cumming. Mm. Um, and I've also got a Twitter handle. So it's at Teal Coach on Twitter. What do you, let's talk about social media real quick before we close this out. So do you prefer LinkedIn then as far as for your own business development as opposed to Twitter or Facebook? Yes, I do use LinkedIn significantly more than I do um, Twitter. I professionally, I don't use Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a chatty Kathy, you know, and I'm a goofball sometimes. So LinkedIn's <laughs> a little bit too is Someone tough for me to get communication. Yeah, I mean, I I like LinkedIn, <laughs> but I think that I'm, the communications like that aspect of it sometimes is not there for me. Yeah, we can't really <laughs> chat with each other through that. <laughs> yeah, but Laura, do you have a background of what the teal? What's the significance of teal, Coach? Um, so teal, it teal for me. It was the it was the name of the business. Is um, it was inspired more for the color. So I'm quite visual. I'm quite visually orientated as well. Yeah. So the color teal uh, represents um, kind of clarity and focus. So if you went into if you were um, painted a room in teal and you were really stressed and you would go in there and you'd feel a lot more calm and it would in theory, bring more clarity and focus to, to who you are um, in that moment. Okay. And I guess that's what inspired me because that's what I aim to bring to my coaching and and to what how I work with people is to help them become more clear on what it is they want to achieve and to focus on achieving that. Mm. I yeah. like that. I'm going to paint that's everything awesome. in teal. <laughs> Every, my whole office wow. is going to be teal. See what you've done, Laura, you've just impacted Andy <laughs> tremendously. Maybe, maybe you should paint your uh, horse uh, saddles in teal. No, I'm going to paint my horses <laughs> teal. <laughs> teal horses. I love it. I have got a lot of teal things. I have to hold back and recognize there are other colors that I do like to. <laughs> other people like other colors. No, that should be your thing. <laughs> that should be your like branding thing. Everything you do that. should be teal. Every time you go to a job, you should be in teal. Every time you do anything outside of the house, you should be dressed in teal so everybody knows that you're the teal uniform. coach. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I... was one other connection with it as well, because I am quite a nature lover as well. And teal mm. is um, the smallest British duck. It's the name of the smallest British duck. Yeah, blue wing teal. We have those. Oh, mm. Yeah. So yeah. there's that reference yeah. as well. Yeah. So we talked about ducks today. We talked about calming colors today. <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. That's why I love having a podcast. What other thing can you do where you can talk about so many things that somewhat are connected, but somewhat are not connected, and then people listen to it? <laughs> That's the amazing part. <laughs> yeah. People, people want to hear us. That's people do want to listen to this. All right. Well, Laura, thank you again for being on the show. I really enjoyed having you on as a guest. And Grace, thank you, as always, for joining me. Absolutely. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you. I've enjoyed being here. Liar. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. kidding. All right. Everybody, this is Andy Sokolovich from UnleashedStrengths.com. Please follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash UnleashedStrengths. Hit us up on Twitter at UnleashedCSF and C... Hit us up on Twitter at Unleash CSF. That's two podcasts in a row where I could not say that. Say it again. Unleash CSF. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna leave that part in and the final production, so everybody can sit back and giggle at Andy. And if you want to subscribe to this, go ahead and visit iTunes. Just search for Thematics. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a five star review. Maybe some generous comments. That'll really help the podcast grow. All right, everybody. My name again, Andy Sokolovich from UnleashStrengths.com. We'll talk to you guys soon. See ya. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Thematics presented by UnleashStrengths.com. Remember to embrace your strengths and always stay addicted. All righty. Great job, Laura. Yeah. Oh, thank you. What did you think? Did you feel comfortable? Like, did yeah, you no, I enjoyed all? it. Um, Good. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to tell any of your friends about this, are you? You're going to keep this a secret. (laughs) I I just, we like to be real. So sometimes we kind of push the edge a little bit more than maybe other podcasts would, which are very segmented and, you know, you know exactly what's coming next. You never know what's coming next with us, right, Andy? Mm, No. (laughs) It's nice. It's fun and it's relaxed, which I think is really good. Well, that's what we've found to be the best, uh, kind of the recipe for helping people feel comfortable enough to talk about what's important 